Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark and chapter number 6. We have been traveling through with Jesus Christ, walking with Him in His earthly ministry and watching as this is a compacted book. There is just so much in it because it shows Jesus working here and Jesus doing this and Jesus doing this. It is the book of continual action and it's not stopping to record all the times that Jesus is preaching. It's watching His miracles. It's watching as He works in interacts and the lessons that he teaches. Well, the last time we left off was the feeding of the 5,000. And remember, it was the 5,000 men. And so you add to them wives and you give them children. And there was at least approximately 15,000 people out in that desert place. And yet God fed them. The Lord Jesus Christ fed them. And they were filled and they had 12 baskets that remained. What a great miracle that was, that God is able to do such things. And I want you to think of the disciples, how they watch these miracles. As we've been going through these, they've been eyewitnesses of these miracles that have been across. They've watched the dead girl rise again. They watched the woman with the issue of blood. They've seen these uh, healings, and they have been in a place where they're watching it all the time. Remember, they were even sent out two by two into the cities and Jesus gave them power to cast out demons and to preach the message of repentance. And now after the feeding of the 5,000, fresh off of that miracle, it just happened just a couple hours ago. Notice if you don't mind as we pick up what occurs next. In Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6 starting at verse number 45. Mark chapter 6 and verse 45, the word of God says this. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. And go to the other side before unto Bethesda, while he sent away the people. And he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. 
And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship straightway, they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or to cities or to country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that he, they might touch if it were but the border of his garment, as many as touched him were made whole. And if you have been marking things in your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number six? The gospel record of Mark chapter six, and notice with him at the end of verse 28, the phrase, would have passed by them. Would have passed by them. And if you don't mind, we'd like to see this idea here and this follow-up here, and I'd like to entitle it, Would Have Passed By Them. Would Have Passed By. Let's go to the Lord together and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God, and thank you for the enjoyable evening that we've had so far, and we're asking that you continue to do so as we open up the Bible, but more importantly, that we would have a heart to look for you, that we would have a heart to see you, and to recognize you and to know you. Help our hearts to be softened. Help it to be tender. Help it be ready to respond properly. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we said, this happens immediately, immediately after the loaves. Now, could you imagine the spiritual high of watching all of these people get miraculously fed? And the disciples were a part of it. Jesus would bless the bread and they would bring it to the people. Now, originally this was supposed to be their vacation. Some vacation that was ruined. It ended up being preaching and people needed things. And Jesus himself needed a break. The first thing I'd like to bring to you here was away from Jesus in location. Away from Jesus in location. Now, notice again, if you don't mind, in verse number 45. And straightway, he, that's Jesus, constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before Bethesda. So Jesus says, all right, boys, we didn't have the break like we wanted. I want you guys to get in the boat. And they were saying, no, 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 not if you're not going to go. Are you going to come with us? No, no, I got to go pray. Come on, you go. And it says he constrained them. That carries the idea that they weren't necessarily willing, but he was kind of forcing. Come on, guys, get in the boat. I need you to go. Do what I tell you to do. Come on. And he finally gets the disciples on the boat. But then he's got the crowd to deal with. And immediately he begins to disperse the crowd. He sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And so he sends the disciples away. And then he goes to the people and says, all right, it's over. Go home. We need to have some quiet time. Go. And so Jesus goes to the mountain by himself and he prays. Meanwhile, the disciples are on the ship in the Sea of Galilee. And as they're sailing on the Sea of Galilee, a storm hits. Now, this is the second storm that they've been involved with, that they thought they were going to die, and they thought they were going to drown. Notice, if you don't mind, <coughs> what happens in verse 46. And when he sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, 
and he alone on the land. So there's a separation. The disciples are in one location. Jesus is another location. And he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was noon. They fed the 5,000. They're taken care of. They send them away. All right. Send them out. About evening time. They're in the middle of the ship. And a storm begins to happen occur in the midst of the Sea of Galilee. And now they're rowing. And Jesus said, go to the other side, but the wind is blowing from the other side. And so they're rowing against the wind. And it's a type of storm where they're rowing and all they're doing is staying in place. And they're trying to keep from going backwards. And they're trying to move forward. And they're toiling. Now they've already been up for a while. This was their vacation. And now, in the middle of the night, they're just, they're rowing for their lives. And they're towing and toiling. And they're moving as far as they can. And it says to the fourth watch of the night. Usually in those times there are four watches uh, uh, because there's usually animals or, or robbers or bandits that someone would usually keep a watch when they would sleep and their watch would be two hours and there would be four uh, watches in a night. So you take a two hour shift, someone else take a four, two hour shift. So this is giving the time. So this is in between four to six in the morning. So it, it was evening time when they were in the middle of the, the sea and the storm hit. Now between four to six in the morning, guess where they're at? They're still toiling. That's a long night. So much for a vacation on that. And they're toiling and they're rowing. But may I show you something interesting? It says in verse number 48, and he saw them toiling and rowing. Jesus sees everything we're going through. Even when they were separated by location, Jesus saw what they were going through. May I give you a reminder? No matter what storm you're in, it may seem like Jesus is somewhere else, but Jesus sees everything you're going through. He sees your toiling. He sees your labor. He sees what you're struggling with. He sees you and he's watching everything that occurs to you and he cares. So Jesus began to catch up to them and he began to walk out to them. Now, I want you to think about this. Here's the disciples and they're rowing on the sea and they've been staying in place for about eight hours toiling and come on, let's go. Meanwhile, Jesus is walking. He walked from the mountain, got on the sea, just started walking right past them. Midst of the storm, they're trying to go against the wind and it's nothing to him. And it, it says that he was going to walk past them. He was going to meet them on the other side. All right, boys, how you doing? Keep walking on. So they were away in location, but Jesus finally caught up with them. So we see this, that first of all, they were away in location, away from Jesus in location, the second thing I'd like to show you is that they were away from Jesus in their hearts. They were away from Jesus in their hearts. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 49. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. Now, let's take the scene. They've been rowing for eight hours. They've been going in the sea eight or more hours, evening, whatever time it was. It's now the fourth watch of the night. And so they've been toiling and they've been rowing and they've been trying to make ground and the wind is blowing against them. And every one of them saw Jesus 
walking right by them. Well, that's a little bit different. And so they all, what is that? Is that Jesus? That can't be Jesus. He's walking on water. No one can walk on water. The storm's going on. And so they said, it's a ghost. And so now they're all scared. It's a ghost. What's going to happen? He's coming to get us. Again, they're tired. It's in the middle of the night. Things are always scarier in the middle of the night. Especially if you're in the rolling sea, you don't see any land, you just see the storm and the wind, and then here's Jesus walking right beside as if it's nothing. They're scared. It's a go. What are we going to do? They're panicking. They're frightened. You'd be frightened too. And they see this, and they were troubled. But he began to calm them down. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. Jesus answered their fear with ten one-syllable words. First of all, he spoke, or he spoke to their soul. Remember, your soul has three parts. Will, intellect, and emotion. Will, intellect, and emotion. And with these ten words, he addressed all three parts of their soul. He said, first of all, be of good cheer. That was for their emotions. Be of good cheer. Then he said to their intellect, it is I. So to their emotions, be of good cheer. To their intellect, it is I. And then to their will, be not afraid. There was an action that they were supposed to do. Their emotions were calmed. Their intellect was satisfied. And now their will had to make a decision. Remember that we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. In our soul, we have three parts. Our will, our intellect, and our emotion. Our will is how we make decisions. And sometimes we make decisions based off of emotions. Sometimes we make decisions based off our intellect. But here Jesus speaks to all three. So that way they have the correct response. He speaks to their emotions. Be of good cheer. He speaks to the intellect. It is I... And then he tells their will and gives them the instruction, be not afraid. Be not afraid. He gave an invitation. What's an invitation, by the way? It is a response to the information given to us. Even though they're toiling, even though they're rowing, even though they're watching Jesus walk beside them, Jesus says, I don't want you to be afraid. Stop being afraid. That was an order. That was something for them to do. So how did they respond to this? And verse 51. And he went up unto them into the ship. And the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Notice that phrase there. Here we're seeing a lot of descriptive words because Jesus is trying to get across that it wasn't just a jaw-dropping moment, but it was such a thing that it blew their mind that they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Why is this? Because Jesus gave them instructions And they had to make the decision not to be afraid. Now their emotions are saying, we're going to die. 
But Jesus said, don't be afraid. In their mind, they're trying to process how they're roaring and tolling, and Jesus is walking calmly beside them. That's hard to process. But Jesus said, why is it hard to process? It's me. I'm Jesus. Why wouldn't it be hard? Be not afraid was the response they were supposed to have. But yet, they are trying to process it, and instead of just immediately being obedient, they're their mind tilted. It just went blank. What's going on? They're just processing this. Notice what Jesus gave in the commentary. So we saw their actions that they were, Jesus got in the boat and they are just pegging. They're, they, they, they're not responding well. And now the Bible reveals why. Verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves For their heart was hardened. Why is it they had a hard time obeying God? Jesus said, be of good cheer. You could be happy in the midst of the storm. You could be of good cheer in the storm. Why? Because it is I. Your emotions and your intellect is satisfied. Therefore, there was a decision of your will. Be not afraid. But they had a hard time obeying that of not being afraid because their hearts were hardened. What happened? Well, what's happened is they got so used to the Christian life that it was no longer amazing to them. They got used to Jesus answering prayers. They got used to living a certain type of way. And what happened is that because it became commonplace that they no longer responded to these miracles that were around them, their heart began to harden. May I tell you this? The people that are most in danger of their hearts being hardened are those that have been in church for a long time because they get used to it. May I tell you what happens Every time the Bible is open, God expects us to respond. If we do not respond, then what happens? Our heart hardens just a little bit. And the next time we hear God's word and we do not respond, our heart hardens a little bit more. And it hardens a little bit more. And it hardens a little bit more. That's why the most important part of a church service is the invitation. What are you going to do because of this? And when you fail to respond to God, your heart hardens. That's exactly what happened to the disciples. They got used to the Christian life. We're living the way that we should. We're doing fine. We see the miracles all the time. We're fine. But we should always be advancing. We should always be responding to God. What had happened is that the miracle of the loaves, they've seen so many miracles that it wasn't a big deal to them. And because it was no longer a big deal to them, their hearts hardened. And now when they need Jesus again, they're having a hard time responding to him because they have not had the habit of responding to him. Does that make sense? We have to have the... Our hearts continually tender by responding to God. Saying yes to Him. What am I going to do because of this? And when we stop responding, 
that's when our hearts begin to harden a bit more and a bit more. The people that are most in danger of having a hard hearts is not the brand new Christians. It's not the Christians who are growing. It's the Christians who've been in church for a long time. And they get used to this. Well, it's another message on prayer. Yeah, I need to pray more. They acknowledge the fact, but they don't do anything with it. And their heart begins to harden. Preachers preaching about reading your Bible again. Okay, okay, I'm reading my Bible. And they get used to it. And the heart begins to harden. And when it comes time that Jesus is asking you to do something, it's almost like the disciples that they have a hard time processing this. You want me to not be afraid in this time? That is unreasonable. Don't you understand? I should be panicking. Why? Be of good cheer. It is I. Because of those two things, be not afraid. But they had a hard time obeying that, processing it, because their hearts had hardened. Because of the things they got used to seeing. And the things they got used to hearing. And now Jesus is teaching them a lesson. This is the whole thing here. He wanted to expose how hard their hearts had gotten. By the way, it's a, it's a slow and subtle process. You don't even realize it's happening until you get confronted with something that you're supposed to obey in. And then your heart says... Why aren't I obeying? Why is it so hard to do what I was asked to do? Why, am I, why is my spirit not responding right? It's because you've been building up and you haven't even realized it. We have to consciously keep our hearts tender towards God and not let it get old, not get it routine, not just say, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. But come to the idea that every time we open the Bible, we expect God to speak to us and we expect God to do something with us and that we should respond to him. We have to work on keeping our hearts tender. When church becomes routine, when the Bible reading becomes numb, we're in very much danger when a trial does come and we'll have a hard time responding to the Lord properly. And when Jesus gives us something that's be not afraid, it seems like an impossible thing to do. And why is it? They're not away from him in location here. They're away from them in their hearts. But there's one other thing as we finish up this chapter is that we see a way towards Jesus for his grace. Now they land in verse number 53. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to shore. And when they were come out of the ship straightway, they, the people, knew him and ran through that whole region about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into the villages or the cities or the country, they laid in the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch him, if that the border of his garment and as many that touched him were made whole. It's interesting, just a little side note, has nothing to do with anything here. But how many times the Bible makes mention of Jesus' clothes? 
It makes mention of it a thousand years ago in Psalm 22. It makes prophecies of it. Why is it a big deal? Because the thing that the garment that Jesus wore was a specially made garment. It was a Hebrew type garment that would portray him as a rabbi, as a teacher, as a master teacher. And it would have a little bit of fringes on it. But it was something in our equivalent day of saying like a suit or something. It was something that just the clothes that he wore quickly identified him as a teacher. And it required respect. It's just an interesting study if you want to study the clothes of Jesus. It's almost like a subtle study, but it brings it up over and over and over, so it must be important. But they would have little fringes that would hang off. That's what it's talking about, the border of his garment. And they said, if I could just touch one of the fringes, if I could just touch the edges, then I would be healed. And it said that everyone who reached out to touch even just the fringes, they were healed. They went away to Jesus. They came away from where they were at and they came to Jesus and Jesus would help them. Jesus is glad to help him, anyone, if we would just run to him. If we would just run to him, no matter where you're at. Some people brought him in beds. All right, let's transport him to bed. If we could just get him to Jesus, Jesus will help him. Hey, I have an illness. If I could just get to Jesus, he'll take care of it. If I could just Get to Jesus. That's the whole point. If I could just get to Jesus. Our goal should be always getting closer to him. Running to him. Trying to get as close to him as possible. If I could just get to Jesus. Now if I could go back and put a point on this idea. That if we could just get to Jesus. Notice back in verse number 48. They're in the sea. They've been toiling all night. Jesus saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to him. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto him, walking upon the sea, notice this phrase, and would have passed by them. So here they are in the sea, and Jesus is walking. He said, I'm going to meet you on the other side. And Jesus would have passed by them if they did not call out, if they did not cry, if they didn't do anything. He would have walked by. He was available, but he did not force himself on them. He didn't climb on the back of the boat and say, all right, boys, I'm here. They had to cry out to him. He was available, and if they chose not to, he would have walked on by. What's the point? That Jesus is available. We have to cry out to him. Go to him. Jesus will not force himself upon us. You could go through a great storm. And if you choose to weather it out without Jesus, he will let you. But if you're in the storm, all you have to do is cry out to him. If you're in an infirmity, just run to him. If you have anything, just go to him. He is always there to help. Everyone who touched Jesus' garment was made whole. Everyone who ran to him was healed and taken care of. There's not a single one that he said, nope, not you. But if you choose not to, because of the hardness of your heart, Because you say, I think I could do this on my own. He will let you. But you don't have to. He would have passed by. Just keep running to Jesus. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.